Good morning, church. Wow, we're looking full-ish, full-ish today. Full, like the room is full. Not like you're crazy. <laughs> oh, God is so good. And all the time. I love that. I felt 12 years old again. The Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And if you're going through life not feeling like you have purpose, you, my friend, are in the right place. If you feel like you've reached a stagnant season of your life, you are in the right place. So um, I don't know how long you've been coming. Some of you, I look across the room and uh, some of you, I think this is probably your first or second time because I've not yet had the opportunity to meet you. Um, some of you have been coming since day zero, um, I see, and then all in between. So I just want to encourage you to stay the course, stay the distance, that growth happens in the long term. Um, we're instructed to be planted. And how many know that trees that are planted by rivers of living water don't uproot themselves? Um, too many Christians are potted plants looking for the best sunlight and they move themselves. And I'm just, I'm just letting you know that when you get grounded and rooted and you stay through seasons in a church, in ministry, where God has placed you, there is so much growth to be had. This is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And let me tell you, my wife and I and our team, we believe that purpose, the hand of purpose is not just on our staff, not just on leadership, but it's on you. That's the mission for us to glorify God together, for us to make Jesus famous together. So it's not about building a platform for a, a pastor or a name or a team. It's about just doing whatever the Lord wants together. Because after all, who are you? Now, for those that weren't here last week, you're like, no, 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 no. I came to the wrong church. I'm not a priest. I don't know what I signed up for. Um, last week, we talked about that God has created you to be a priest. If you're a believer in Jesus, no matter how mature you are, <laughs> you are a priest of God. An important function of the church is public worship, the public worship service. What you gathered together for today is one of the more important functions of the church. Yes, the church should be helping the homeless and the hungry and the needy and the widow and the orphan, all of those things. When we live out our purpose and who God has called us to be, those things are overflowing of who we are, right? But you and I should understand that the gathering, there is something in the gathering that we can't get in isolated worship. Now, I'm a believer in A and B. That is the most famous slogan I think I'm known for. My tombstone will say A and B. Because my team or my kids will often say, hey, these are two options. Which do you think we should do? And I'm like, both. But A and B, let's do both. We don't have to pit one against the other. So we don't have to choose isolated 
worship in place of communal worship. Let's do both. Come together on Sunday. Come with us on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on November 9th. We have the big worship service. I'm so excited for that, that God is going to do something huge. But then when you get home and tomorrow morning, wake up 15 minutes early and find you a quiet place in your house or in your backyard and find you some isolated worship. Because what we're going for in this series is to give you a well-rounded look at worship. It's both. Just so that we're all clear, reading the Word of God, which is amazing, by the way. If you've not yet fallen in love with the Word of God, just keep reading. Find a translation you understand. Because once this thing gets a hold of you, it doesn't let go. It's amazing. Reading the Word of God, listening to an incredible sermon, praying, giving at the barrels, even the the big gift on December 4th. All of, all of that is great. The singing is great, but that's actually not worship. All of these things contribute to worship. The giving and the clapping and the raising of the hands and the, the kneeling. And you can always count on, on Pedro with his expressive worship. There's a, there's a Hebrew word for that. We'll talk about that next week. When I teach you that word, I'll use Pedro as my example. But those things are not in itself worship because those things can be done without worshiping the Creator. You can come in and stroll in with a smile and you can clap and lift your hands. You could even pull a Pedro and kneel and fall out and fall down and foam at the mouth, and all of that can be in your own flesh. So we're after the heart of worship. We're after real worship. Worship is more than a physical act or an intellectual exercise. Can I get a good amen from the church? Worship, as used in the Bible, is concentrating on God, thinking about his majesty and his power, and turning our attention away from ourself. So I hope at the end of this sermon, you'll be a little one step closer to the heart of worship. Father, we come before you today. God, I just sense the weight of this moment. Such a critical topic in the heart of our church, and I believe the global church, God, I ask that you would help us to grasp all that you're trying to show us, all that the Spirit is revealing to us. I don't even get it all, Lord. There's so much depth to what you're revealing to me, God, that I don't even, I can't even hold it all. But God, I ask that my words would be anointed by you, that Holy Spirit would flow through me, that I would decrease so that you may increase. And God, let your wisdom just splatter across the room. These are the hearts of men and women. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Worship. I love worship. I've always been a, a music guy. Uh, I play bass guitar. I play piano. I sing. Um, I do all that for me and Jesus. Not for you. That's why you don't see me on the worship team. Uh, I used to travel with my family and uh, I got my, my fill of that. But my heart is worship. Like music is amazing to me. 
Uh, I very rarely listen to anything that's not God-centered music, but I do. I'm not so holy that all the program stations are only Christian music. Sometimes I listen to Carrie Underwood. You know, sometimes, sometimes I listen to uh, country music. Well, until it's very ungodly, then I'm like, I don't care about the ex-dog and the ex-wife. and the. So then I turn it back to Christian a little bit. Sometimes I listen to pop, pop music, anyone like, do they call it pop or am I just showing my age? <laughs> Hip-hop. I listen, I listen to it all, uh, but I really dial in on worship because I've learned something in my old age that hopefully you've already learned if you're, if you're paying attention, and that's that everybody worships something. Everybody, even the atheist, worships something. You were born for worship. There is a, a spot inside of you that nothing will fill except worship. Everybody worships something. There is not a single life on planet Earth that does not revolve around the thing that they allow to sit on the throne of their heart. People worship a variety of things. Some people worship the approval of others. Any fellow people pleasers in the room say, I'm working on it. Yeah, all right, okay, careful, careful. I'm, I'm right there with you. I've allowed people to become the God of my life and worried about their opinions and their approval. Not so much anymore. I, I don't know if that's true or not. It's like a daily thing for me. The Lord is constantly massaging that out of me. I think oftentimes when you have a high mercy gift and you, you're compassionate towards people, you often take on their emotions and, and their thoughts towards you. But if you're not careful, you can please man instead of pleasing God, everybody worships something. Some of you out in the room or watching online today, you're worshiping your career. Some people are worshiping their independence. <laughs> Some, their family. Some of us are worshiping the adrenaline rush from sinful pursuits. Some of us are worshiping our workout plans. I love that I said some of us. Some of you are worshiping your children. You're called to love your children, but not worship them. The moment your marriage or your home revolves around your children, you've given them a faulty view of what a Christian home looks like. Some of you in the room worship your political party. Can I get a good not me? Any other worship than the worship of our creator is idolatry. Idolatry feels like a, a highfalutin word, a theological word, a biblical word. But really, if you go to any Bible program uh, on the internet and you type in idolatry, it's going to fill the screen with scriptures about idolatry. And every single verse is going to somehow let you know that God hates it. He hates it. I know, hate's a strong word in our culture, but God literally hates adult, adultery. 
Idolatry. I suppose he hates adultery too, but I'm talking about idolatry today. But only when the focus of worship is God, only then does it fill the hole inside of your heart. That's why you're running from one extreme to the next. That's why you're running to meet your career goals and then you get burnt out. So then you move to workout goals and then you you realize that's not working out so much for you. So then you run after community goals and you get involved in all these programs and outside resources. Do you know what I mean? You, you run from thing to thing to thing to thing because you're trying, you were built for worship. You're just filling it with all the wrong idols until you worship God, your creator, the one who sustains you, the one who provides for you until you worship him, you will never be satisfied. So I've got good news and I've got bad news. The rest of your life is going to be miserable until you worship God. That's the worst news you're going to get today. And it's true. You will never be happy until you surrender to him. But the worst news is also the best news. The moment you surrender to him, your life is going to be better than you could have ever imagined. Everybody worships something. The title of my sermon today, and I'm halfway done with it, but I'll give it to you anyway, is Kingdom of Priest 2. Last week, sorry, I'm, I felt dehydrated. I started drinking coffee at the age of 48. I know Jamie asked my wife, how does that happen? How does a 48-year-old man start drinking coffee? I don't know. Um, but I, I feel really manly now. Because it's straight black, no sugar, no cream. I read actually in my workout stuff that it helps working out. So that's why otherwise I would have never touched the stuff. But now that I'm drinking coffee, I feel dehydrated anyway. That's for free. Last week was Kingdom of Priests. And I, I hope I convinced you that you are a priest. Revelation 1, 5, and 6 says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's do, can we get that on the screen? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a what? Kingdom, priest to his God and Father. So, you were actually made to be a king and a priest. That's part of your identity. The, the king is your rulership on the earth, your authority on the earth. The priesthood, though, is your ability to worship God and to help other people worship God. You were created to be a priest. Peter's talking to Corinthians. Peter's talking to Christians. That's you and I. So he's not talking to the Jews Primarily, he's talking to us all in 1 Peter 2.9 when he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Some versions say you are a peculiar people. 
You are, Lydia. You're peculiar. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. I I told you last week that priests are meant to worship God and help other people worship God. Remember, God had established it for the Israelites. Then it got narrowed down to the, the people that really were on the Lord's side, the Levites, the tribe of Levi. And then it got transitioned after Christ on the cross to you and I. You and I are the priest. And priest, you and I are meant to worship God and to help other people worship God. And just like the Levites who would set up the tabernacle, tear down the tent, they would manage the meetings, steward it all. Priests, you and I, steward the meeting places where God meets with men. As a priest, you have the authority and the right to steward the meeting place where God meets with men. Now, that's, that's pretty awesome. It makes a lot of sense in this context, right? You, you get to steward the house of the Lord. That means when you're walking from your vehicle up here, if you're a member of this church, you're a long time. We don't have membership, but what would I call it? Your family. You're already family, and you're walking from your, your car to here. If you see a first-time guest coming in, you're actually greeting them on the way because you're an owner of the house. Do you know what I mean? You see a piece of trash. Thank God for Albert that gets here before the sun even wakes up. Because let me tell you, there's some partying in this complex on the weekend before Jesus shows up on Sunday. And there is trash all throughout this parking lot. Uh, I've done it a couple times with Albert. And I've carried bags of trash. And, and Albert is up here cleaning the way. But as an owner, if there's been trash dropped after Albert's made his way at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 1.30 a.m., whenever he gets here, and you happen to see a piece of trash, you have my permission to pick it up. You do. I, no, I'm serious. You can because you're an owner. You You see a chair that's misplaced. You see a kid that's got another kid in a headlock you're an owner of this house like we're we're family we we want to make sure that we steward the tabernacle the meeting place where god meets people it makes a lot of sense here but what about your work cubicle or the checkout stand where you're there for eight hours a day or your couch when you're remote working from home with just your top on and your pajama bottoms on What about the meeting place there that you're called a steward? Because every conversation that you have, every interaction that you have is an opportunity for God to meet with men. And as a priest, you're accountable for stewarding those interactions. Priesthood is fun. It's amazing. The job of a priest is never ending, by the way. And Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 8 gives us Three major responsibilities of a priest. So I want to walk you through that real quick. Because worship, if we're going to cover worship, we have to cover priesthood first. The priest is called to worship and lead others in worship. But first you've got to understand the role of being a priest. Deuteronomy 10.8 says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister, and to pronounce blessings in his name as they still do today. Did you catch that? 
Did you, did you catch the three major responsibilities? Let's read that one more time. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi, who were the priests, to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So number one, your, your first job is to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Second says to stand before the Lord to minister. Do you see that second one? And the third one is to pronounce blessings in his name. These are the three things that we're called to do as priests, to carry the Ark of the Covenant, to stand before the Lord to minister, and to pronounce blessings. Can I explain those to you before we go today? Okay. The first is carry the Ark of the Covenant. Levite priests carried the Ark. They were held by poles uh, that they carried on their shoulders. And the Ark represents God's presence on the earth. His throne established among his people in the glory of God. So anywhere that the priest would carry the ark, there was a covenant, the ark of the covenant, there was uh, something that would follow it. It it would always be followed by a number of things, but primarily life, mercy, fertility, and victory in battle. That was their job, to carry the ark. And wherever the ark goes, the blessing, authority, and power of God would go. And you, as a priest, get to carry that. One of your responsibilities is everywhere you go. Now, I'm not really talking about Sunday morning, 1030 to 12, because I know that we're all on our best behavior right now. We're all looking really, really holy. But I'm talking more like in line at Walmart when none of the registers are open. You know what I mean? It's all self-checkout, every single one of them, and half of them don't work. And the lines are crazy. And what was up with the crowds yesterday? I went to Sam's, and I couldn't, there wasn't even enough oxygen molecules in the store for me to be in there. I had to run outside to get more oxygen and then come back inside. There are so many people, but, but I have to understand that to be a priest, wherever I go, I'm carrying the authority and the power of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. You're an ambassador of Christ. Now, I hope you know what that really means. You know an ambassador for any country. We have ambassadors in the United States for other countries. And where they live, that, the premises of where they live is not considered the United States of America. It's literally the country from whence... They came where they came. That, that tells me that everywhere you go, you're a foreigner. Everywhere you walk, you bring kingdom. Like, you're not a visitor, actually, from the kingdom to planet Earth. You're establishing kingdom on planet Earth. So when you're in line at Walmart and you're getting frustrated or Sam's, or the post office who's been there lately, you have the opportunity to bring the power of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, to that location. Carry the Ark of the Covenant. I love the fact that, you know, if, if you were to slap me, I say I did something wrong and you punched me or you slapped me, whatever, um, that would be an assault. Amen? And I would press charges. 
I'd forgive you. I'd come see you in jail. But if you punch an ambassador, it's considered an international conflict. Think about that. The, the Russian ambassador, the Chinese ambassador, I'm, obviously I'm thinking of people that have been in the news lately. If the ambassadors are here and, and you happen to be upset with them and you punch them, you've just started an international war. And that's exactly how God thinks of you. You're walking throughout life and you are getting attacked by all of these things and what's really happening in the spirit realm, and I wish you could see it, you're not just getting beat up on. The enemy is trying to start an international war because behind the ambassador of the kingdom is the kingdom. And as a priest, you've got to walk like it, talk like it, act like it. You're a carrier of the kingdom. You are a priest, not only do we carry the Ark of the Covenant, the Levites were told to stand before the Lord to minister. I'm going to go over today. Because E-Kids asked me to, because they have a party back there. They said, if ever there's been a day to go over, Pastor, today would be the day. And I said, well, okay. Stand before the Lord to minister. There are several different words in Scripture for the word worship, and we're going to talk about that next week. The Hebrew words, the Greek words, so many different words. We're going to talk all about that. Um, but for now, I just need us all to know that of all the words in the Bible for worship, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, not a single one includes the idea of ministry to mankind. Worship is simply not for us. It's for God. Unfortunately, we have marketed to people what is meant for Jesus. The church has. Hey, come to the Exchange Church. We've got, we've got groovy music. We've got contemporary worship. We have marketed to man what we should be marketing to God. Worship isn't actually for you at all. It's for God. Stand before the Lord to minister. I love how some people will say, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, Chad. So I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm talking down to them, but I said it too, and I, I might even say it again. But, oh man, I loved worship today. Anyone been guilty of that? Man, worship was great today. Wonderful. I'm glad you liked it, but it's not your birthday. It's not for you. I want to know, was God pleased with worship today? Instead of us leaving the pews, pews, chairs, walking out saying, man, worship, I loved worship. We should be humbly saying, Lord, was my worship pleasing to you today? I, I, I didn't do cartwheels like Leander. I didn't, I didn't kneel down and throw my body around like Pedro, but Lord, was my worship pleasing to you today? By the way, Leander, Pedro, I adore your worship, but it's also not for me either, so it doesn't matter what I think. But it is pretty visible, and it's kind of cool. But the point is, is God happy with your worship? 
Did you stand before the Lord to minister or did you sit in the chair to receive this morning? Did you show up to critique or to gauge if you like the song or to support one of the singers or musicians? Or did you actually show up to minister, administer love to the Lord? (laughs) Priests court the heart of God. Politicians court the hearts of people. Did God receive my worship today? I think possibly you and I should try to refocus the object of our affection so that we worship the Lord more purely. And I'm not sure that I've got it right, guys. I'm not sure that I fully understand the depth of worship. There are times I think I'm worshiping the Lord and God says, you're worshiping yourself right now. Can you stop? What is the object of my affection? Like, you got dressed this morning, and you showed up. Many of you were on time today. Thank you for that. You showed up dressed nice for praise and worship. You got dressed, but you got dressed to worship God, but did you worship God while getting dressed? Because that's when he's the object of your affection. When you're looking at your closet, And you think, should I wear this to church or that to church? Oh, that makes me look thin. Oh, that makes me look muscular. I'm going to wear that. Oh, that makes me look fit. Oh, that, I can't wear that. It's not spring. And you go through all of this list in your head rather than saying, Lord, you took care of the sheep who gave the wool for that new shirt. And God, you gave me the money so that I could buy that shirt at TJ Maxx yesterday. From you, all good things flow. God, I, I honor you as I put on this this shirt, God, I honor you. This is how we show up with a song in our heart, with praise on our lips, ready for worship. I, poor worship teams all around the globe spend 25, 30, 40 minutes trying to be a cheerleader for people who didn't show up with a song in their heart. But priests do. Priests don't wait for worship for 1030 to worship God. The moment their eyes open, a priest is saying, God... It's your breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, for another day. That's what a a priest does. You can only worship something to the degree to which you know it. And the Bible is God's thoughts about you. It's his thoughts about himself. So reading scripture is important. Um... Spending time with God is important. And the more that you understand who he is, the more you can discern if true worship is going on in your life or not. I wrote down a couple of, a couple of reasons why we don't worship. Let me just share that with you real quick. We don't worship God because we have an affection of the means. Write that down. I have an affection of the means rather than the end. We make the means the end. We make the process the goal. We are preoccupied with it. Most of what we call worship is is really just a preoccupation and an affection with the means. 
the process that leads you to worship. I'll give you an example. You ever driven by a lot where there are old cars, like antique cars, not old junky cars, antique cars. There are some guys that have like 10 antique cars, more than 10. And they spend all their time waxing and buffing and polishing and making it look good. And like it's an antique, it's an antique car. And you ask them, hey, well, where do you drive? You ever driven this to California? Oh, no, we don't drive the antique cars. That's, we look at them. We make them look pretty. We don't drive them. And affection for the means says, the process of making it look good satisfies me, but not using it for its intended purpose. So me practicing guitar before a Thursday rehearsal so that I'm ready to go, that's not really worship. That's preparing yourself for worship. If you're not practicing, team, you're not actually even preparing yourself to worship. There's a zero before there's a one. We can get so infatuated with the the process of ironing our clothes, getting ready for worship, that we think that that's worship, but it's not worship because it's about you. Practicing your piano, practicing your drums, practicing your greeting and your smiles. I know we like to think it's worship so that we get worship credit, but it's not. It's actually not worship. You trying to improve you to offer worship is not worship, though you should do it. The Bible is very clear about offering your gift skillfully to the Lord. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as if doing it to the Lord, not for men. Yes, you should practice. Yes, you should iron your clothes. Yes, your clothes should match. All of those things are important. I once got... I don't know, Lord, should I share that? Yeah, I think I am. I once, by someone I respected, they had a conversation with me about the way that I dressed. And they were calling me higher. And, and there was a little bit of offense at first. You would be too, right? Hey, Alexis, you can do better than that. That's kind of offensive. It is. But this guy went on to say, I'm not actually asking you to invest more money in your clothes. I'm asking you to steward what you have well. So if you have clothes with holes and and you have clothes that are old and dingy, do you have an iron? Because you can actually present the best of what you have to the Lord. It doesn't take money to live a life of excellence. It takes diligence and focus and commitment. Now I'm off my notes. The process should take us to purpose. But the process in itself is not purpose. And some of us have allowed the process to become an idol in our life. You can be more worried about how your prayer sounds in a huddle, team huddle, 
oh, the leader asked me to pray. I better, I need some holy words to say. What should I say? You can be so worried about how your prayer sounds and not even pay attention to the fact that the God of heaven hasn't yet opened his ear to you because you didn't show up with a heart postured to worship him, to speak to him. You came with a heart postured to impress men. I love helping people pray out loud for the first time and they stumble and they feel embarrassed and they feel like they're not worthy because I just believe that all of heaven leans into that moment. It's such a a precious moment where someone just prays their heart. They may not even say everything right or ask for what they should, but they're leaning in to the moment. Let's not worship the process more than the purpose. Some of us get stuck in the process of trying to do things for the Lord. Oh, someday I'm going to do this. Oh, when that door opens, I'm going to do this. When I get a raise, I'm going to give this to the church. When I get a better guitar, I'm really picking on guitars today, and I don't know why. I'm sorry, Greg. When I get a better guitar, I'm really going to do this. You get infatuated with the process, but, but other people get infatuated with criticizing the process. They've made the process their idol, but in the reverse. In other words, worship can be wonderful. They can love a church. They can be a part of the family, and then they get offended. Something goes wrong, and you just see them blasting everything that might be wrong with the church. <laughs> Newsflash, the church is human. I don't, I don't know if you know this or if you'll even believe this, but I bleed. I'm not a superhero. And if you get close enough to me, I'm going to hurt you. Because that's what humans do. That's what family does. Some people blame the fact that they aren't feeling worship because the musicians didn't have the right spirit or the pastor's wife did something I didn't like or the greeting team didn't say hello to me. They didn't make eye contact for three seconds and they didn't shake my hand. Be careful who you criticize in the family of God because the measure you use will be measured back to you. When you dole out judgment in the house of God, suddenly God might take notice that you come late every Sunday, (laughs) that you create division and a poor witness for the bride on social media, that your heart has been hard for ages and you've not dealt with business with him on it. Rather than focusing on worship, we either idolize what gets us to good worship or we get focused on tearing down what prevents us from getting to good worship. Are you with me? Is this making sense? And, And it's two sides of the same coin. The enemy loves to distract people on the means rather than the end. What would happen? What would happen if Every single one of us showed up next week understanding that we were a priest and that we already had a song in our heart and praise on our lips and we weren't looking for our right. We weren't looking for anything other than to show up with other believers to worship our creator. When we as priests minister to God, we 
we administer love to him, when we administer worth to him, administer value to him, he shows up. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. And where God is, anything is possible. There is healing in the presence of the healer. There's salvation in the presence of the Savior. There's freedom in the presence of the deliverer. There's growth, transformation. There's repentance. Callings are heard in the presence of Jesus. Which leads me to my third and final point. As a priest, your job is to pronounce blessings. When we minister to God, he shows up and ministers to us. You know, I said earlier that worship wasn't about you at all, and it's not. I don't want to I don't want to come off that message. I, I think the church needs to hear that more than anything. But there's a softer side of that, and that is that the best ministry model is it never neglects neglects mankind. It just puts you and I in our proper place. Worship is all about him, and in return, he lavishes on us all that we need. The word bless, if you and I are going to pronounce blessings, by the way, I'll probably teach you how to do that real quick. The word bless is often used as a sense of making somebody happy. Oh, that song blessed me, right? Oh, that, that pumpkin pie blessed me. Anybody want to bless your pastor? That, Cheryl, the fried chicken blesses me. It blesses my heart. It's been too long. It's been at least three months. We use the word bless as if to make somebody happy, but that's actually not what the Bible means when it says to pronounce blessings. That's when it says bless, the biblical meaning isn't about tickling your fancy or making you feel good for the afternoon. A biblical blessing, biblical blessings catalyze destiny in people's lives. Let's just look for a moment at how the patriarchs bless their children. You remember Isaac blessed Jacob, even though it's supposed to be Esau, but that's a whole other story. Here's how the blessing went. This is what pronouncing blessings looks like in Genesis 27, 28 through 29. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness in abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. This blessing catalyzed Jacob's destiny. And I don't know if you know this or not. Possibly you've been living beneath your means. But part of being a priest means you don't just carry the presence of God and the the glory of God. But you also get to speak into the destiny of other people. This is why I'm like, come to church consistently. We need you. We need you pronouncing blessings into the lives and the hearts of people. You matter. I get that the worship team has been practicing and they prepared a set list. And I get that the pastors prepared a 
a sermon or whoever's speaking. I get e-kids already, but there's this element that happens on a Sunday when we gather that we can't forecast. And it's you showing up, being a priest, pronouncing blessings over one another, calling forward each other's destiny, speaking hope and life into one another. worship team is going to come. I've gone over seven minutes, which feels perfect. time in this series to talk about the tabernacle. I'm not sure that I will the more that I've planned out all that needs to be said. But if I don't get to it, let me let me drop this one little nugget because it's going to change your idea of worship. And then we're going to practice it. So pay attention, there will be a quiz. The tabernacle was made out of the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. I will enter his gate with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court. Anyone know this old song? With praise. When you're entering into the presence of God, start, start with the gratitude. God, I thank you for you fill in the blank. But then allow praise to flow out of you. Now, here's the thing. The outer court was open air. People were talking. They were bringing in sacrifices. It was hustling and bustling. Praise is what happens between you and I. When we praise God, we are shouting how good he is to each other. Okay? Hey, uh... Uh, Aunt D, God has been good to me this week because he allowed me to get four new shirts that fit me for a really good price. And I just felt really loved by him. Could you just, could you just stand and tell me how good God is to you? What did God do for you this week? Let's just praise him together.
nothing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's praise. Jenny, stand to your feet. How? Caleb, run over here to Jenny. Just hold the mic for it. Jenny, what? What has God done for you this week? Let's just praise him in the outer courts. Um, God is amazing because we have been praying about where we're going to send Chase for college. <sighs> and he's just so good because before we went, I said, God, this is for you. I need that peace. And I just need to see Chase yeah. thriving and growing and being in an atmosphere that I know that it's going to be safe for him and it's going to grow him and that is exactly what we got and I just got major major peace and I just I'm so thankful that we that God sent us there and he gave us the means to get there and it was awesome God is so good that's amazing God is so faithful Nolan and Ramona will you stand and let's give God some praise together I didn't prepare any of these people by the way and if you're there with your heart racing wondering if I'm going to call you I probably am Nolan and Ramona, let's give God some praise. God is amazing because he gives us grace even when we fail. Yeah. And even in the simple things, I have been trying for months to make myself get up early enough to spend 15 minutes reading my Bible. I have a spreadsheet for the days. Like, I can tell you the percentage. I'm sure you do. Um, it's, it's not good. Um, just being totally honest it's a failing grade but God is good because he gives us grace even when we fail he still loves us hey isn't it isn't it great that we don't have to serve the means we serve the God the God has grace the means don't the means are mean yes Ramona Ramona So I'm just thankful that God has also given me grace that I can open my home for Connect Group because part of me stresses about that. I want the perfect house. It's got to be clean. I mean, we're supposed to do that, but I'm a people pleaser, (laughs) recovering people pleaser, and it becomes a moment of stress. But this week when we hosted Connect Group, I wasn't stressed about it. Like, everything got done. And I enjoyed it, and it wasn't stressful. And that's probably the first time in a very long time. So I'm thankful for that. That's so amazing. You get a sense of what praise is? It's not that I'm praising you or you're praising me. We echo the praise about how good God is. These are the conversations that should be happening 10 minutes before service. Oh, guess what God did for me this week? Guess what God did for my sister this week or my brother this week? That's praise. You, You enter with thanksgiving. You praise in the outer court. Then we get into the inner court. Then we get into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was covered with animal skin. It was pitch black. Nothing was visible in the Holy of Holies except for the glory of God. So in the moments when we're singing, I will, in my head, position myself in the tabernacle. If it's a song and I'm praising God about how good he is, what he's done for me, yada, 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 I think I'm in the outer court right now. God, I praise you. And I pretend like I'm just praising him with all of you. But in those more intimate songs where it's like me talking to God, I've stepped into the darkness where the world is faded away, where nothing else has my attention. 
glory of God. Will you stand to your feet? Holy of Holy song. This is between you and him right now. We've been in the outer court. We've praised him. His presence has been enthroned on your praises. Now he wants a moment with you. getting a better glimpse of worship throughout this series. Come prepared next week for more about worship. Show up with a song in your heart and praise on your lips. Amen. Make plans now to come Wednesday, November 9th at 7 p.m. for our worship night. It's going to be incredible and amazing and we're going to come prepared to really bless the Lord. Um, So I just send you out with a blessing to go change your home, change your work environment, change your community. Be all that God has called you to be. Go be the ambassador that you were created to be. Take what you received in here and give it to someone out there. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week, 10.30 a.m.